You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a practice management and EHR software that helps behavioral health professionals manage their practice with confidence and efficiency. I've been using Therapy Notes in my own group practice for about five or six years now, and they're hands down amazing. They've got a scheduling and to-do list that is so easy to look at, a notes template that is amazing and exactly what you need, billing that has accurate reports that you can use, credit card processing system, a client portal that's constantly being updated, security, and tech support that is amazing. You can call and actually talk to someone right away. If you're looking for an EHR that can give you everything you need to run your group practice smoothly, try Therapy Notes out by going to www.therapynotes.com forward slash the group practice exchange and you'll get two free months to try them out. Hey everyone, I am really excited to have this coaching call come up. I'm on the line with Kate Fish, who owns a group practice and wants to talk specifically about how to cut back her clinical caseload so that she can spend more time on the administrative and business side of her group practice. I know this is a topic that a lot of people struggle with, so I'm really excited to be able to dive in with you, Kate. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? Not too bad. Um, So I I just want to have this be really informal and just allow you the opportunity to ask questions that are coming up for you right now based on um, the topic of cutting down on your caseload. So let's just jump right in. Sure. So I started my group practice last August and um, just did not intend on hiring clinicians very fast, but it needed to happen because I've been uh, full since two months after I started it. So I needed um, clinicians hired pretty quickly. Um, just hired two part-time um, W-2 employees um, at the end of November, and they are filling up, and I'm already working on hiring another one, but I have yet to cut back on my clinical hours, which seemed like, oh, that'll naturally happen, but no, that's not happening. So I'm seeing anywhere between 25 to 30 clients a week right now. Oh my God. On top having two toddlers at home and managing this new business. So I hella need some cutback. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, so yeah. I, I know that, um, I, I know that outsourcing and, um, obviously starting to say no are big things, but I guess I just, I, what I need today is a little bit of a concrete plan of how to do that. Perfect. Um, I have a plan that worked really well for me and I felt like um, the people that implement it agree that it's a pr- it's a pretty simple plan. Um, but mm-hmm. here here's how I started it. So I when I um, and I, I let me go backwards. I guess a lot okay. of people initially when they start a group practice um, because they're clinicians first are like I'll never stop seeing clients or I'll always have primarily yep. a caseload and business thing will be like the side thing that I do. Um, and it isn't until right. uh, months later after they've hired people that they realize like there's just no way to be a clinician first as a group practice owner. Um, It doesn't mean that you can't be a clinician at all. Um, And there's plenty of group practice owners that continue to have caseloads, but it definitely needs to go down, especially if you're hiring multiple people. If you have someone that's just going to be coming in on your off days, then obviously it's a a different story. Um, And so I guess I want to start with just for anyone who's listening that 
who feels like um, they're at a place where they're feeling bad about it. And I don't know how where you are with that. I know that it's a common feeling. Yes. Like, oh, I'm, um, I'm kind of not doing what I was, uh, you know, what I went to school to do, or I'm doing less of what I went to school for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this whole own grieving process with it. Um, yes, definitely. And it's a really normal feeling. So I guess for anyone who's listening, who's um, even thinking about it and starting to feel guilty about potentially seeing less clients, it's just a normal part of the group practice journey. Um, but when it comes to seeing less clients, I, I think the big, biggest issue people have, and I don't tell me if um, I'm wrong in your case is that they, um, they feel like, uh, the financial aspect is going to be the hardest part. Cause obviously you get to take more of your own income and if you're seeing right. clients, then there's a dip in income. Is that kind of the case yes. where the concern comes in? That's exactly right. Cause what I, what I struggle with is. I can only trust, and maybe this is a trust issue, but I can only rely on my own. I set my budget off of how many clients am I seeing. So I determined my rent based off of, okay, if I see eight clients a month, that covers my rent. If I see three clients more than that, then that covers my XYZ expenses. And so I can trust that. Um, I don't trust that my, I don't, I haven't set it where my clients and my employees have to see a certain number of clients. And so I don't want to rely on them, but I think I need to, especially yeah. because I need a bigger office space and my client load alone will not cover my rent. Right. So that's part of that struggle too. It's like, what can, can I rely on them to cover expenses? And that's, that, that's where the guilt factor comes in for me. It's like, well, this was my investment. I, right. I'm responsible for paying the rent. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to mention too, that I had listened to your interview with Mike I always mess up his last name about clockwork. Yeah. Yeah. Michaela. That was so helpful okay. because he talks a lot about that. You guys talked about the guilt factor. Yep. That was spot on. That's exactly yep. what I'm struggling with. Yeah. So yes, to all the above. Okay. So, uh, point one that you brought up is, uh, mm-hmm. trust. And I think it's something that I even to this day struggle with. Um, and I think mm-hmm. it's just based certain personalities will, will have this, some won't have this issue. Um, it's something that I am aware of, um, in myself, mm-hmm. but it gets easy. It does get easier with time. The, I think with this specific issue, um, that you're bringing up, um, the trust is issue is coming more from a place of that this is a whole new thing and it doesn't feel like, um, like it's, that it can't fall apart, right? When you're new with a group practice, you're like, right. oh, I don't know, what if everyone leaves or what if like no clients? Exactly. Calling? There's a point where right. that where you get a little bit more secure in that that feeling, and you're like okay. you feel more like this is an established business. It's it's yeah. gonna be really hard for it to fall apart at this point, and so that yeah. will get easier. Okay. And then with the clinicians themselves, um, there there's a I think you're the stage that you're at. It's there'll be a shift at some point. Um, you'll have to make it consciously where mm-hmm. you're. Um, leading a little bit more when it comes to your expectations on the clinicians, because when you set the expectations, it becomes a little bit more easy for you to feel like what you should be counting on. You mentioned that you don't have like right. our requirements and stuff. So it feels a little in the air, like you don't have control when you start yeah. to set those, set those expectations of, let's say as an example, like I need you to see at least 10 clients a week, just the fact right. that you're setting the expectation. Um, I mean, there's obviously the follow through and making sure that they're doing that, but at least then you know what to expect. And then you can kind of plan around that. I do want to say that your worst case scenario is everyone, all your clinicians leave or no clients call. Right. 
And let's say mm-hmm. you lean down to however many clients you want to get to, to um, be able to manage your group practice. Your worst case scenario is that you need to fill your own caseload back up, right? I mean, that would be the worst thing that would happen That's is true. their income yep. doesn't cover it anymore. And what do you do? You go market yourself real quick, get a few more clients back in and yep. you're back to square one sort of. But um, right. I, I sometimes like to do these reality checks because it's just... When, especially when you're new to owning a business, there, that fear can come in really quickly of, you know, what if all right. this stuff falls apart, but yeah. you already have figured out the solo practice gig. You already know yeah. how to cover your rent. You know how to cover your expenses. So right. um, if, if your worst case scenario does ha- does ever happen, um, you're, you'll easily be able to get back to where you're at now. So the, the fear okay. of going to less clients from a financial standpoint of what if they stop seeing clients and now their income doesn't cover it um, is a, really you can have a one month turnaround and, and have your caseload built back up. That won't and be fun, but very possible, true. Possible. And that's true. So true. And I, I think that reminds me too. I got this up and running in two months. Right. Just fine by myself. Like you right. said, yeah, could totally do that. That's great. That's good advice. So logistically, what I found that works really well for when it comes to just the financial part being the biggest issue, um, I don't know how you pay your clinicians. I pay uh, when I started weaning down. I they they get paid a little bit more now because I have a lot of benefits and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the time when I decided that I needed to see less clients, um, I had. I was paying them 55%. They were getting 55%. Mm-hmm. And you can obviously, mm-hmm. if you're paying, are you paying a commission or flat dollar? I, um, percentage. So is that commission? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I just asked, estimated it at 50%, even though I was paying them 55%, but it was really just dollars difference. And what I right. said to myself, for every two new clients from this point that I refer to a clinician and get scheduled, it allow, I'm allowed to reduce my own caseload by one. Now, what this does is it doesn't increase your profits at all. It just leaves you at exactly mm-hmm. where you're at. But for mm-hmm. me, um, I, I felt good knowing. So I, I, at the time, I think I tapped off at maybe 20 clients um, mm-hmm. before I was like, I need to go down. And I wanted to go down to 15 initially. So I wanted to be able to reduce my caseload by five. Um, and obviously, that's its whole own issue of which ones, you know, you can't just chop them off right away, but at least you can right. plan. And there might be a couple that are ready to transition out or go down to every right. other week and stuff. Um, so that's kind of a, its own separate issue. But what I said was, so I need to refer um, or schedule 10 new clients, essentially, um, mm-hmm. with my uh, one therapist that I have for me to be able to reduce down by, by five and get to 15 clients. Does that make sense? So like for every yeah. two clients, because right. she's getting 50%. So 55%. But for me, I just, mm-hmm. in my head, made yeah, it makes easy sense. 50%. Um, and um, financially, everything should look pretty close to the same if I'm mm-hmm. reducing my caseload while she's growing her caseload. So for every two, I was able to let go of one. And I did that moving on later when I wanted to go down to 10 and go down even further. Um, Mm -hmm. And then obviously, so if you, let's say you're at 25 and you want to get down to 15, uh, that means Mm -hmm. you would need to, I don't know what your percentage is, but if it's around 50%. Yeah. Yeah. um, 55, yeah. Yeah, perfect. So then um, I would just, it's really not going to be that huge of a difference if you just average it at 50 right now. Um, Yeah. But it'll take you, if you want to go down to like, let's say 15 from 25, um, mm-hmm. 20 clients. 
So it'll take 20 referrals being scheduled and then anything beyond that will then again become profit. So that's obviously the other thing to think about is when you're doing this structure, um, you're going to see growth in your business, but you're right. not going to see growth on your own profits in your business. Profits. It's, it's just keeping you at baseline where you're at now, which right. you're saying is functioning for you. It's paying everything that it needs. Yep. To so everything Working great. Yeah. Everything beyond that, when let's say you want to go down by 10 clients after those 20 referrals, any extra mm-hmm. referral or a scheduled appointment will then become profit for the business. Benefit. If that makes sense. Yeah. Perfect. It does. And that is easy to do because like this week alone, I had too many clients. So I scheduled a bunch of my new clinicians. I took too many of my own. So yep. this is what I struggle with. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one in my, so I have three, there's three of us right now. I'm the only one who sees couples. Yep. I get so many referrals for couples because that's what I've marketed as. Yep. So I'm trying to hire a couples therapist, okay. but what I'm struggling with is deciding, um, other than like logistics reasons, like right now they can only accept the CrossFit Shield. So I mm-hmm. have to take everybody else. Mm-hmm. Or I referred to one of my friends in town, lucky her. She yep. gets all my leftovers. Yep. She's getting, I, she should be paying me <laughs> for so many <laughs> referrals. I so, know that's a common issue. I, it's such a problem. So I know I need to hire somebody else, yeah. but what I'm struggling with is not just accepting clients. I'm like, well, I should see them. I should fit them in my schedule. And something that I thought about that I was going to run by you is I almost think I need to set a cap for my hour of the week. Like I can only fit in 20 clients. Mm-hmm. And after I hit that 20, they've mm-hmm. got to go to the next week. Yep. And my, the clinical piece of it is what's hard because then it's like, well, what if they need to be seen? Yeah. So I don't know if that makes sense. If that's a question so much, it's just where I'm sort of struggling with logistically of now moving towards, all right, I'm not accepting new clients, but (laughs) my, my answer to that would be, um, I guess I get clinical issues, but if, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're seeing couples, it's likely that not every couple that you have is going to be in crisis every single week. And Um, from a balance uh, and boundary standpoint, um, mm-hmm. just because you have um, a certain amount of clients doesn't mean that you're required to see every single one of them every week. And so mm-hmm. from an ethical standpoint, it's not an issue. From a mm-hmm. um, personal standpoint, I would say you should have um, boundaries like that, which, mm-hmm. whether it's um, after 20, you have to go to the next week. Um mm-hmm. And and just prioritize the weekly ones for the people that actually have those that higher need. And anyone else sure. who calls who's like, oh, I need to come in this week. Um, Abby, mm-hmm. no, they have they can wait till the next week. Um, like mm-hmm. I said, unless you're a crisis center, and then it becomes just Mm-mm. a different issue of making sure you right. have extra clinicians on staff that can that can take them. But th- right. it's not the case for ninety percent of private practices don't run that way. And so right. the you know people are supposed to be able to function between the hours that they are seeing you. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, I don't see it as an issue to cap yourself, let's say at 20 and really hold mm-hmm. yourself accountable to saying, sorry, I'm full this yeah. week. Um, essentially that issue can happen at any time. Even if you have yeah. um, like 30 clients, are, you know, are, yeah. is the world going to expect you to come in uh, you know, let's say you have 40 clients who are every other weekers, um, who all of a sudden they all want to come in weekly again. Do you think the right. world expects you to then come in no. for 45 hours? No, they would no. say it's totally fine. Some of these people are going to yes. wait, um, a week and a half. If it is an actual crisis, they'll go to a hospital or they'll, they'll exactly find, yes. find the support that they need. Um, and there's a difference between being available for 20 hours and, um, and having to, 
have clients who want to see you this week who maybe can't now and have to wait till next week. Um, there's a difference between that and you um, not providing any support. So if like a client was to call, you can always right. be still be available to them on the phone and say, Hey, you know, I don't have anything this week, but here's three things that you can do. You can call this crisis line. You can try this piece of homework that we talked about last week and um, you can journal, you know, and, and, yeah. and in that sense, you're still providing that um, support that they, that they're looking for. Right. All good reminders. It's all that yeah. stuff that's like, oh yeah, I tell my clients these things all the time. Uh, Set boundaries. Say no. No, it's a complete <laughs> sentence. Not back in my thinking. So great. Just yeah. do it myself now. Practice yeah, what you I just got to do it yourself. Yeah. Yep. It's, a, it's yep. a hard balance when you, um, I, I talk sometimes about the different hats we wear as a group practice owner. Yes. And that it's hard when you have a clinical hat and then the business hat and then that business hat is even split into some because there's the administrative side, then there's the mm-hmm. staff management side. Um, and mm-hmm. so there's a, there's a lot you have to manage. And um, for me, when I, when I was still doing uh, a lot of everything, it sounds like you're still answering the phones, which is probably part of the problem of you taking on more clients. Oh yeah. Than to. Um, right. Yeah. Is, um, is that I took how many hours I wanted to work total in my life at that point every week. And, um, oh, okay. so let's say you want to, you don't want to work any more than 30 hours in a week doing mm-hmm. anything for your business. And let's say you're, and you're going to have to do like a, a now and ideal or where I mm-hmm. want to be. So let's say now out of those 30 hours, you're really working 40 and, um, out of those 40, 25 of them, you're seeing clients, which means you have about 15 left over to do all the business management. I, like mm-hmm. I said, I split the business management into two. Um, and so I just make three columns, cl- clinical, mm-hmm. um, staff management and business management, which is like the business management is like marketing and uh, mm-hmm. your financials, doing your numbers, um, making decisions about growth. And then the staff management part is like hiring, firing, uh, case consultation, anything you do with the clinicians or your mm-hmm. uh, admin staff or your VAs. And then I would see how much time are you spending in those three categories now? And then mm-hmm. if your ideal is to be at 30, you'll be able to see, well, where do I need to knock some of those off so that my 30 mm-hmm. is well-rounded between the clinical side and the business management side. And that, w- mm-hmm. that really worked for me because there was a, I had a visual and then it told me right. like, where I needed to go. It's, it's kind of a yes. factual thing. It feels very like um, uh, subjective in a way, but it really can be super objective. I mean, it's really just numbers. Yeah. Want to do 30 hours? Right. You have these three major buckets you have to fill to mm-hmm. run your practice, and logistically, you have to just reduce in some of them, you know. And then when right. you have it written down, it makes it a little bit easier to hold yourself a little bit more accountable. That's absolutely true, and I think about that in terms of I, I'm very good about setting, um, and especially because I have to share my office right now. I'm good about saying between nine and five; those are my clinical hours. So why don't I just set those hours for these are my administrative hours. Yep. It's like a, a no brainer, yeah. but I'm going to cut back my clinical hours and just say, these are the hours that are dedicated to administrative stuff. And that makes more sense. That's perfect. So you make it sound so easy. Uh, it, it all in theory is easy because it's uh, yeah. the, the steps themselves are, are not that hard. The hard part is yeah. implementing it Implementation. Um, and dealing with the feelings that come up with it, whether it's guilt or right. Anything like that. But one of the things I liked about what you and Mike's conversation with the guilt piece, the talking about how not everybody goes into this practice to own a group practice. Right. And people just want to do the clinical work. And people mm-hmm. that I've hired just want to do the clinical work. So yeah. it's not a bad thing to say, okay, you guys just do that and I'll do the other stuff. 
Right. That there shouldn't, there's no guilt there. That's an agreed upon contract. Exactly. So that was super helpful for me to think about it that way, because I know that they did not, if they wanted to, they can go open their group practice. No, I hope they don't, but <laughs> that would be, then they can do, go do that. I right. can do what I've signed up for and I, I can hold myself responsible for that piece of it. Right. And I, I, I look at it like, um, you know, at this point, um, I, I'm responsible in, in a big way for the well-being, the financial well-being of twenty-something mm-hmm. people, and so mm-hmm. I, naturally, I have to shift my focus from seeing clients, um, mm-hmm. and I only see one client a week mm-hmm. right now, um, and I'll always probably see one just to be able to see clients. Um, but mm-hmm. I, ha- I had to shift to be a responsible business person, I had to shift my focus to making sure that I'm doing what I need to do to keep the business healthy. Because when the business is healthy, then the clinicians are healthy in their work environment and their ability to be financially stable and all of that. And so there is just, at some point, there's this natural shift that happens with every group practice owner, um, where they realize they just have to um, shift their focus for the well-being of just the business as a whole, and it's, it mm-hmm. becomes less about you and more about what is it that um, needs to happen. That obviously one um, that you are doing the work that you love to do, um, mm-hmm. but you find out that just for a lot of people ends up shifting because they realize what they um, love to do and what they're best at um, are end up being the same thing. And right. you find out that when you get really good at owning a group practice that that ends up being your strength mm-hmm. and then you want to do more of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So is there anything, any other question you have relating to the reduction of um, your caseload to be yeah. able to do more of that administrative stuff? So one last thing that I wanted to run by you yeah. was just this um, sort of, I, I don't know what the struggle is, but um, I, I need a, another me on staff. Mm-hmm. I yeah. need another person. I focus on couples. I do a lot of couples work. I do postpartum mother work. So I need another me. So determining how to hire another me um, without feeling like, <laughs> like it feels very egotistical. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I know that that's why most of the referrals I get are for me. Right. So kind of that balance between getting a call and saying, well, I'm not available, but this person is a mini me or this person is, but also wanting them to be able to have their own identity. Right. So I don't know if that makes sense. If you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I think, um, you know, a lot of people that's actually there for, it's interesting that that wasn't your first step. Um, and what's nice is that you, it looks like you branched out and hired people that aren't your mm-hmm. specialty, which tends yeah. to be a little bit harder because people mm-hmm. are naturally calling for your specialty. So you have to actually do more mm-hmm. work to fill people right. whose specialties are different. So it's pretty cool right. that you were able mm-hmm. to do that first. Cause most people start with finding mm-hmm. someone who's very similar to who they are because it's right. easier to fill their caseload. Um, I think it's a smart move. I always base who I hire based off of what calls are coming in because I'm right. multi-specialty um, and it seems like that's the route you're going to. Um, right. Is I look at what there's a need for. Uh, why make my life harder if there's a need for couples yeah. right now? That's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna hire because that fits within my model, right. obviously. Um, yeah. And so. I don't see any issue with um, hiring someone that sees what you see. And um, I think it'll just be a strength for your business. Um, mm-hmm. was, was there a specific issue with having someone well, with you? Well, the one, the one issue that I'm up against right now is finding somebody who's, who does what I do. Um, the, I, I would have to train the one, uh, one candidate that I'm looking at. She's not fully licensed. So I'd have to train her to be, to yeah. do all the things that I do, yeah. which, yeah, maybe that's my 
an ego issue, just feeling weird. <laughs> I already have too many meat toddlers in my house. And I'm like, I don't need another cake <laughs> fish running around. <laughs> well, you, if you think about it, you, you don't have to have someone who's um, exactly like you in terms yeah. of even how they do their couples work. It, yeah. For me, I look at it as what you're needing is a couples therapist. doesn't have to right. be a couples therapist who's like you. Um, yeah. it just needs to be a couple. I have about five couples therapists and they're all, sure. um, a little bit different from each other and, sure. um, the type of therapy, couple therapy that they do, but also in their right. own personality and style. Um, and I, I think it's actually a smart beneficial to have a, someone that does something similar yeah. to what you do and possibly even similar in like how they do it. Because mm-hmm. when calls then come in, you can say, it's a little bit easier for you to say, um, I'm actually yeah. full, but um, Sarah is a couple therapist in my practice as well. And she actually practices very similar to how I do. So how about right. trying her out? Um, I think you'd be, I think sure. it'll be, if you're looking for someone who's yeah. me, you'll be really happy with Sarah. Right. And that's that. So, that, so it's a good, it's a good problem to be facing this that I want mm-hmm. another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess my concern is just, yes, that like letting go of the reins and, and not feeling like, well, I want to see those clients. Like, yeah. Well, I want, <laughs> that sounds like fun. I want that one. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a, that happens. And also, um, going to the ego part, uh, that you had mentioned, there's this, um, I see this a lot and I, I went mm-hmm. through this myself as well. Now, now I'm super not important when it comes to the clinical work. People are much less asking to see me than they were years mm-hmm. ago, but there was this weird feeling of like, um, I started a solo practice. They wanted to see me. And now if right. I have people who are similar to me and they want to see them, then are, is, is the community not going to want to see me anymore, mm-hmm. even though I don't want to see more people, but it's this yeah. dynamic of like, Oh, I don't want more clients, but I also want yeah. the clients to want to see me, um, yeah. from a, an ego perspective. But I think that just right. naturally goes away when you see the success in, um, what yeah. you're building and, and that, that part goes away. And I, I guess what I'm like thinking through and as you're saying it too, I guess what I would like to think about it is my brand is what I'm marketing mm-hmm. and my practice is what I'm going to be marketing instead of it being, it's all about Kate Fish. It's about graceful therapy and our motto of serving grace filled therapy. So I'm, I, maybe that'll help too. If I make it more about welcome to our agency, not like this specific therapist. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think okay. that's where having an admin who answers the phone is really helpful because yeah. Um, they can say Kate they is full. Kate no, is full. Their they, don't, they don't feel bad saying that. No. Um, I, I yeah. totally understand that it's a lot harder when you're the, the person answering to be like, I'm sorry. I'm full. No. You I'm know? like, well, maybe I could squeeze no. you in sort of. No. <laughs> you're not no. doing this anymore. No, I want to. I want to hear from you in yes. like a month from now. And yes. I want to know that your clinical caseload, um, that you've been able to go down at least by a couple. I think within yes. one month's time period, if you set this plan of referring you know, for every two people you schedule to your mm-hmm. um, associates that you are able to let go of one client who is ready mm-hmm. to graduate, who is not in need of that weekly therapy anymore. Um, yes. And not fill that spot. And not fill that spot. That's what I do. Yeah. I'll be so mad at spot. you if you fill that spot. Please be, please be <laughs> mad at me because I will welcome that. <laughs> um, it was really awesome talking to you. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to hear that you're doing it because I'm yes. holding you accountable right now. And yes, a great do. listener that is yeah. listening to this is also going to say, Kate Fish, you better yeah. not be seeing so many clients. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I, will, I will welcome a scolding. From <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. Thank you so much, Maureen. Yes. This has been super helpful. Yeah, thank you. We'll talk later. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. We'll see you next time.